It's great to be here. It's, it's great to be able to stand and be with family, be with Zion people, God's people. I love the fact that uh, in that name and in that definition, God is saying to us that his dwelling place is our dwelling place. Have you stopped to consider what that means? Have you really paused and thought that God, the creator of the universe, perfect, holy, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-majestic, is inviting us to dwell with him always? That's amazing. That's humbling. Isn't it? Be able to, to, to come to this mighty God and he is calling us as a church to say that he wants his dwelling place to be our dwelling place. That's an invitation that is amazing. And as I, as I sit there and I ponder over the last few months, it's, it's incredibly to know that our God loves us that much. Despite our flaws and despite who we are, he still invites us in. So you can have a guess at what my topic is this morning. Yeah, being humble. You can all guess. This is great when conversation works really well. Um, so I'm going to look at um, being humble before God. And Ash read, uh, the scripture that Ash read this morning is just, Christ is the ultimate example of humility. Where he um, calls us, being the very nature of God in Philippians 2 verses 5 to 8, where Ash read this morning, who being in very nature with God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, the most humblest man that we've ever known, is an example for us in humility. Uh, you can look at the likes of Moses. When Moses spent time with God up on, in the mountain, he didn't come back to his other's disciples and saying, I've just been up with God. Were you up with God? No, just me. Was it just me? Is your face glowing? No, it's just mine. You know? He, wasn't, he didn't have bragging rights. He was, he was humble. You know? and, and we are called to walk humbly before God. Um, I believe that one of the biggest keys in our maturity is our, is our, humble, our humble hearts. Maturity, I believe, starts with our humility. Um, and I love that the scriptures are full of us, full of words or a, um, a call to maturity. God is calling us to grow in Christ. You know, Ephesians 4 to 11, 4, 11 and 13 says that Christ himself gave up the church, apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity and faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, which is obtaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. For me, in a real basic and simplistic Jamie's terms, maturity is just being like Jesus in action and attitude and everything that we do. So whoever we come up against, whoever we come into contact with or do relationship with, they see Jesus, they hear Jesus, they feel Jesus. For me, that's attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, that everything that we do 
including our motive, which is what Ash said this morning about the extravagant love. God knows what he's doing because that was in my message that God wants us to be uh, like Christ, not just in our actions and our attitudes, but in the reason why. For me, when we reach that, it's maturity. It's probably close to what maturity looks like. And I know there's probably more to it than that, but that's my basic understanding that it, when I, everything that I do yells Jesus, it means I'm growing and maturing to be reflecting of Christ. And so I say to you this morning that I believe our humility before God is one of the greatest keys to our maturity. But there are obstacles in our, in our maturing path. And one of the biggest ones is becoming comfortable. Which is a slight warning. When everything seems to be going well and rosy in life and we relax and we finally get to a point where we think, yeah, we've got success, we've made it, we tend to camp there. We tend to forget to climb the mountain. We become comfortable. And Shani read this uh, statement out to me the other day about success. And I want to read it to you, but I want you to look at it in, in light of becoming comfortable. Because success has many different statements, but I want you to listen to this one with that mindset. The statement comes from one of Keith Cunningham's books. Now, Keith is one of the world's leading experts on business mastery. So he talks to the bigwigs about skills and strategies for business. He talks alongside of the people like Tony Robbins and those motivational speakers. So he's very well respected. And he makes this statement. And he says, success doesn't make you invincible. Success makes you lazy and complacent. I'll read it again. Success doesn't make you invincible, but success makes you lazy and complacent. Now, I had to be honest, I had to chew on that for a while because we all want to strive for success. But when you reach that height, when you reach that goal, the question becomes now what? What's your motivation? What's your drive? What's motivating you? What's pushing you to come climb higher? What's pushing you to go further? Now, when I... Just before I turned 40, for that year between 39 and 40, I had heard that it was harder to lose weight once you hit 40. The alarm bells, that was a big enough call out for me to do something about it. So I, for a whole year, I, I went to the gym and I worked hard. I had motivation um, to get into the best possible shape and health I could be. And I was successful in that I lost a lot of weight, and I felt good, I felt healthy, and on my 40th birthday, I, was, I celebrated within myself, just thinking, yeah, I did it. But two months later, I pretty much found everything that I'd lost. Because there was nothing driving me anymore. I'd reached success, I'd become comfortable, not realizing that I actually had to keep maintaining what I was doing in order to, to keep moving forward. So success can make you lazy and complacent. And when we're called into uh, climb the mountain with God, camping's dangerous. Comfortable is dangerous in our, in our call to maturity. You may even have found yourself saying to yourself, look, I just want a break. These trials that I'm going through, this up and down, this roller coaster ride, can I just have some space to just breathe? Ever had that? <laughs> Do it all the time. God, just that's enough. 
just want a break. I want to plateau for a while. I wonder if God knows what he's doing. And that plateauing for too long's not as best for us as we, as we would like. Because our growth, our, our, our drive, our motivation, that challenge and a trial is what pushes us closer to him. I've been really enjoying the book of James lately, which is strange considering how James starts out. James 1, 2 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I almost stopped reading. <laughs> James, you've got no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but he does. He, it's, it's, who wants to consider it pure joy when you're going through a trial or a tribulation? Woohoo! The struggle's amazing. Yeah. But there's another verse that continues on with... Um, because he carries on and says, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be become mature and complete. There is another key to our maturity is our perseverance. When you go through many trials, because in verse 12 it says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. There is a promise when you persevere in, in God. James then goes on to talk about temptation. He talks about uh, every, where every good and perfect gift comes from above. And then he goes into this, these verses between uh, James 1, 19 and 23 that as believers we should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. How often do we get that backwards? I get that backwards all the time. Remember, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. I can confess that I am quick to speak, slow to listen, and can get angry pretty quick. You know, it's just—it's crazy what we do. And then James tells us to get rid of all that moral filth and evil and to humbly accept the word planted in you. But not just to hear the word, but to do what it says. It says in the end there in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And then James gives an illustration in verses 23 and 25, which is where we're going to look at this morning. Let's pray. Father God, as we open up your word this morning, God, I humble myself that the words that flow through me come from the throne room of heaven. God, that uh, our hearts will be open and receptive to hear what you have said and say, but to have the courage and the boldness to, to apply that in our lives, Father God. We thank you for the word. We thank you for the power and the life-giving that it is. May we always find ourselves uh, drawing into it and, and getting closer to you. We honor you for what you have given us through your word in Jesus' name. So if you've been around church for a little while, you would have heard someone preach along these lines about these men that look in this mirror. So let's look at James chapter 1, verses 23 to 25. Anyone who listens to the world but does not do what it says, oh, listens to the word but does not do what it says, is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, 
they will be blessed in all that they do. Now you might be sitting there thinking, what has this passage got to do with humility? Well, I want to use these two mirrors to demonstrate, hopefully, what, what the scriptures have been teaching me, because I've been on a journey for the last little while with God in regards to humility. And he's brought me to this passage, and he's shown me some stuff that I believe he's asking me to share with you this morning. So this mirror over here on my right represents God. This is his truth. This is where we find true identity, true calling, true purpose. This is God. When we look in that mirror, that's our reflection. We see Christ. This mirror over here, this mirror to my left, is the mirror that represents the world and everything in it. You and I, lies, deception, everything that's there. And I want to ask you a question. Which mirror is harder to look into? That's not a rhetorical question. Which mirror do you think is harder to look into? Do you think it's God's mirror? It's harder mirror to look into? Or do you think it's the world's mirror? God, hands up. Or well, the world's mirror is hard to look into. I'm not saying there's a right or wrong. I'm not going to give you. Say, ah, out you go. Uh, but I believe it's probably God's mirror. It's harder to look into. And I want to show you why that is. Let's look at verses 23. It says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what it looks like. Now, if you go back to 22, it sets the context for the verse. It said, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. This man here is walking in deception. He's not applying the word of God to his life. He's not using wisdom. And I love, for me, my basic definition of wisdom is the application of knowledge, the application of truth. You can have as much knowledge as you can, but if you don't apply the correct knowledge in the correct way, then that's not wise. So for me, this man's not being wise because he is listening to the word, but he's doing nothing about it. And the Bible says he is deceiving himself, which is scary which is a scary thing to do. But watch carefully, because here in this mirror, he hears the truth. The truth came to the world, and his name was Jesus. So Jesus is in here. You and I live in here. I love this, the start of John's Gospels where he talks about how John was, I mean, how Jesus was the Word, and he was with God in the beginning. He was the Word. He was God. And all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. It says, in him was life, and that life was the light of man, and that light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. In verse 10, he says, John says that the Word became flesh, and he made his dwelling among us. In 14, he says, he was in the world and he was, and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. This mirror represents the word, the world. But Jesus came into the world to speak truth. And you can deceive yourself because you can hear it and ignore it. And you have to be careful because God said to me, in Galatians 6, it says, 
do not be deceived because God will not be mocked. And God said to me, when you're not listening to me, you're actually mocking me because you're not obeying what I said. You know, when I look at truth and I turn to just glance at it and go, okay, and do nothing about it, I'm walking a deception and God says, That's, you're kind of mocking me because I came into the world to set you free. And it, that's a gut check. Yeah. Let's have, a, let's have a look at the nice mirror. Okay. In verse 25 of James chapter 1, it says, But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. This phrase, intently, looks intently, is used in three other passages in the Bible when you look at the Greek words. And it's used when both Mary's and Peter look into the tomb. When the angel invites them to look into the tomb. What here is saying in Greek, it means that to, to look with a head bent forward, to look into with their body bent, to stoop and to look into it carefully. It means to inspect it with curiosity so that your curiosity gets satisfied. The idea conveyed by this verb is that you bend down and you look into something in order to see exactly how it is and so to recognize it. Mary's and Peter looked into the tomb to see exactly how it was and recognized it empty. That's the whole term of this man who looks intently into the perfect law. What James is saying here is that this man is bent over in order to make this penetrating look in the mirror of God's truth, God's reflection. And when he notices a blemish, something that doesn't align up with God, he does something about it. It takes a humble man or a humbled person to stand before God and look intently into his truth, to see ourselves exactly how we are according to his truth and do something about it. That's humility when you stoop down and you bend and you look and you see a reflection. Now, I know we all do this. You all do it when you think no one's watching, but I'm pretty sure you've all been caught at it, doing it as well, especially if you're married or you're a teenager. You go into your mirror in the morning and you bend in and you look closely and you're looking for imperfections, aren't you? Not many people will look into the mirror and go, man, that's good, you're looking good. You look for imperfections. Generally, you're looking at, oh, a few more wrinkles. Oh, where did that bit of blackhead come from? All that shouldn't I ate that much chocolate last night. You do, and you're bending. This is the posture that he's talking about. You're bending and you're looking in. You're getting that real close-up look. That's what he's referring to here. So I know we all do this, and this is what he is saying about this man, that it takes a humble man to stand there and look and see what God is saying and saying, ah, here's a little blemish I want you to do something about not to ignore it and walk in a way, because as soon as you do that, you actually find yourself, you're looking in this mirror. You're not being honest. You transition real quick. You might go to God and say, God, 
show me something. But if you do not do anything with what he shows you, you're actually probably deceiving yourselves and looking in the wrong mirror in the first place because it takes a humble man or a humble person to see a true reflection of Christ and do something about it. I just recently spent a couple of weeks away because I needed some time out and I needed to express some things to God, um, have some conversations because I've been through some challenging periods and I wanted to, to do that. And it was great to have some space and I went to God with my concerns. I went to God. I, I, went, I went hunting for a couple of weeks and I took myself off by myself and went up, climbed the mountain, literally, and um, started to have a, have a chat with God. And all he does is put a mirror right in front of me. I'm going, oh, oh, I don't like that. Because I start to see that some of my issues and my concerns are actually my attitude and, and my behavior and my faults. And, and, and so God allows me to look into this mirror and, and the challenge is what do I do with that? Every time that God's revealed something about my attitude or my motive, when I'm complaining to him or I'm going seeking answers, he's just put the mirror there to say, hey, I want to make you like Christ. That means this little bit here needs a bit of work or this little thing here needs to, to walk out. So I stood before this mirror and the whole time that mirror was calling out. That mirror is a loud, loud mirror. What do you mean? Did you hear what they said about you? Do you know what they did? You've got justified your feelings and your emotions that you bring to God. It's all coming from that mirror. Always screaming at me. You know, you're right. They are nasty or that shouldn't have happened. That's not fair. And as soon as I partner with an emotion or a feeling, I find myself looking back here, looking back in that mirror. And I'm less likely to change what God's asking me to change because I'm looking for justification. But I had to do, and I'm challenging us all to do what the Scripture says us to do, is to continue to look deeply, to look past all the noise, Look past all the yelling and the screaming and the justification and your emotions and allow God's truth to stare back at you and bring an application. Because the scripture goes to say, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, which is perseverance. This is not a mirror you glance at, not a mirror you just take a sneak peek. This is the mirror that God's inviting us to stand, to stare, to stoop, to look in and have true reflection. And it takes a humble man to do that. If we go back to James 1 2, what I read at the beginning, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face, face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work that say so that you may be mature and complete. Another key to our maturity is our perseverance. When you climb a mountain, it's going to hurt. You're going to want to stop. 
We're going to want to complain about the trials and the challenges and the obstacles. We want to allow our feelings to take over. We're going to want to turn to this mirror to justify our position. It takes a humble man to perse- person to persevere because humility is a strength and not a weakness. It makes a hum- takes a humble man to continue to look into his mirror, see the imperfections and choose to do something about it despite what the world's screaming at you. This mirror deals with pride. I've been through challenges in my life and the most common mirror I went to was this mirror here. What would people think if they found out about it? Will they still like me? Will they still accept me? Will they uh, still gather around me? Will they hold me up? Will they isolate me? Will they put me out? Pride. But when you go to God's mirror and you look at true identity, he tells you that you're loved. He tells you that you're accepted, regardless of what you've done. He tells you that you are, he's there for you regardless of what you're going through. This mirror tells you you're not alone. This mirror tells you you can do it. That through Christ, he can do all things. This mirror tells you that you've already been made perfect in Christ because he's done it all for you. This mirror tells you you already stand in victory and not in defeat, that you are a conqueror. This mirror tells you to keep going no matter how hard the trial, because the persevering through that trial produces maturity. And God is calling us up a mountain. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. We have two choices in every trial. You can either let it make you or break you. And that can also depend on what mirror you choose to go and look into. We're all going to face trials and challenges and and struggles. What mirror are you going to go to for your help, for your support, for the truth, God's truth? We call it capital T truth. Not what the world will scream at you to justify your emotions, but what God will allow you to see because he will lovingly take you through it and challenge you to push through, to persevere, to mature. It also is pretty important who you talk to. See, this mirror has everybody else's opinions and ideas, and not all of them are bad. But not everybody who gets into the ring with you is is in your corner. Unfortunately, that's just how it is. So who you surround yourself, who you allow to speak in your life is incredibly important. And there's that famous saying that says, uh, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Not everybody that that surrounds you has got your back. And it's incredibly important that we don't walk alone, but it's incredibly important that we walk with people who are going to push you forward. Recently, Phil and I went up to a conference and a training day um, with the leaders up, up in Auckland and Sam Monk, who was the leader of the Axe Movement, encouraged us about the importance about talking up. 
that when we're going through a struggle and we're going through something, that we actually take it to someone who's been through it, someone who can understand, someone who can help you, guide you, lead you, not to talk sideways, not to talk down, because that can be dangerous, because it can hold you. They can just feed your emotions. You want to talk up. You want to go to a mentor. You want to go to someone who you can trust, someone who is, uh, has walked it. Because James 1, 26, straight after these two verses that we've just been reading, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. It's important that we remain humble regardless of what side of the mirror we stand on. But that I mean sometimes people will come to you for support, for uh, our word, for a help, and it's our job to point them to that mirror. It's our job to point them to the truth, to allow God to work within them. You know, we've got to be careful who we go to, who we get advice from, but we also need to be just as important that we are pushing people forward, pushing people up in Christ. I know it's pretty cliche, um, but when you go to a mirror or you are a mirror and someone comes to you, that, that, that cliche saying is what would Jesus do or what would Jesus say? It should be our heart's response because we should be pointing people to Christ all the time. That's part of our maturity. Our maturity is becoming Christ-like in all that we say and do. So your first internal response, your motive is, what would Jesus say in this, in this time? What would, how would Jesus respond to this person? Would he be uh, quick to speak and slow to listen and quick to anger? Or would he be quick to listen and slow to speak? Would he show love and patience and kindness? Would he lead them and guide them along the right path? Would he walk non-judgingly? We need to do few things in our lives, in our, in, our, in our humbleness, on our road to maturity. That is, look intently. Be honest. Allow God to show us a true reflection, which means you have to own it. We have to say, okay, that's my, my bad. It's not what the world's yelling at and screaming at me that, yeah, it's right. It's their fault. It's their problem. No, we need, to, we need to own it. We need to stand in that mirror and we need to look intently. And that means doing something about it. When God brings something about in our lives and it means to sit there and go, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do I need to do to make that part of my life more like Christ? And that's challenging. But we need to do it and we need to persevere in it. We need to continually to look in this mirror, continually go to God. We need to know that in our trials that we go through and the challenges and the roadblocks and the hurts and the frustration, that God is in it and he's saying, look at me. I'll guide you, I'll lead you. I've got truth for you. And to push through and to persevere and know that he has a plan and a purpose for it all. And not get too comfortable to pitch a tent and say, right, I've made it, I'm success. Because you'll probably only find you're only a tiny bit up the mountain. And God's got so much for, for, for you.
Guard yourself. Surround yourself. Get into our connect groups with people who you know you can trust and love and walk with you and do life with you. Be mindful of the words that you speak. Don't be deceived. Hear the word of God and do what it says. But look intently and ask God to show you. And I believe that's our journey. God's inviting us up the mountain where his dwelling place is our dwelling place. That's incredibly personal and intimate. It's exciting. It's overwhelming if we had to sit back and think, wow, this is, this is a massive invitation. And I want to invite you all to, to look in a mirror, to go home when no one's watching because it's always easier, and to ask God. Because when he reveals something, it's always for your benefit. It's always for growth and maturity, and it's always to make Christ shine out of you so that when you go into our community, you scream Jesus. Amen? Be blessed. God loves you, as you have heard today. God knows what he's doing. May you walk faithfully. May you walk with a confidence and a boldness to say, okay, God, that's me, that's mine, I own it. Do something about it. Amen? Bless you. Have a wonderful week.